Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Friday, February the 24th. We've got to the end of the week. Now, coming up, you can find out which reality star has bought a Kent Castle. We have details on what you could be getting up to in the county this weekend, plus the Gillingham boss pays tribute to one of their players who's been forced to retire. But first, today marks a year since the start of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Earlier, a national minute silence was held, led by the Prime Minister in Downing Street. It's thought as many as 20,000 Ukrainian civilians have been killed in the conflict, and the King has spoken of the unimaginable suffering the country's people have endured. Well, Claire Anna Mitchell is one of the founders of Mission Ukraine, which has been helping to provide aid, and she's been speaking to our reporter, Louis Walker. We set up missions, so um, every mission is different, so it completely moves with the time. So when when the invasion first happened, there was a lot of civilians that needed protective gear because they were um, sort of drafted into the territorial defence. When the hospitals were were in in crisis, there was a hospital in Kiev that we were supporting that was 500% over capacity. So we were sending a lot of aid there at one point, and then we moved on to um generators when the infrastructure was getting targeted just like the warm hubs that have been set up in the uk for people with a cost of living crisis we set up the hubs there so they had somewhere to go to stay warm somewhere to charge their phones we put boosters wi-fi boosters up so they had a bit of connectivity because it's so important for them you know to find out if their relatives are alive so, like you said, it's it's a fluid organisation. So how have maybe demands in Ukraine or levels of support changed over the missions? From our point of view, when, when the invasion first happened in February last year, it was people threw aid at us. You know, we had a, an Amazon wish list we, we set up and, and my house was filled three times over, full of stuff from floor to ceiling. But people do get a little bit weary of you know it's it's war weariness you know and they once they've given once they think well I've given once now and that's it you know it's um I've done my bit and you know we're absolutely appreciative of everything that we've got from everybody um but like one of the things that we really do want to push is the the message that the war isn't over in fact it's going to get a lot worse soon how do you feel about the one year anniversary coming up on Friday I I don't know how I feel about it. It's I I just wish it would end, but I just can't see it ending yet. And it's it's so sad that people are just still dying every day. Like we've lost some friends ourselves, and we hear of contacts, you know, fairly frequently, um, losing their lives. And it's just it, to me, it's just senseless. The whole war is senseless. But I really do hope that something happens because yeah, I mean, a year is a long time, and and we're exhausted, I'm not going to lie. We are absolutely exhausted, the whole lot of us. It is an exhausting thing to do. And, you know, I do get concerned about our drivers that go out there as well who see the most horrific things that they're not trained to see. Several volunteers from Kent have travelled to Ukraine to help deliver medical equipment over the past year. Among them is NHS volunteer Brian Grove from Sittingbourne. He's made around half a dozen trips to the country and has been telling Ish why he's prepared to risk his life to help. I think it was a case of someone's got to do something. 
I mean, while the politicians are busy prevaricating, which they're still doing, um, at the time it was virtually a policy of appeasement. Um, and I think the political leaders of the time will go down along with Neville Chamberlain in history. But I just felt, you know, people are suffering and dying. I can't sit back and do nothing. I'm not young enough and fit enough to fight, uh, obviously, or I wouldn't have had to come back here and rest for a few weeks after my last trip. But uh, what I can do is drive out there with whatever's needed. My latest trip, which took me to the newly liberated villages around Kherson, which has been in the news a lot or was, took me to one of the front lines and I could actually see what Russia is still doing. For example, the ambulance I took out there two days before I arrived in Kherson, the maternity unit had been bombed. It's quite obvious that this has very much become a, a personal mission for you to, to support people out there, you know, making these numerous trips. But at any point, when you've come under fire, when you've been within the conflict zones, did you ever feel unnerved by it? Did you ever think, question why, you know, you're having to keep making these trips or, or feel, you know, afraid, obviously going out there that, you know, you might not come back? I think that's one that, that's something which um, you tend to think about afterwards rather than at the time. Um, I had a little bit of a baptism of fire because on my first trip out there, which was taking an ambulance out to a place called Yavariv, um, the place was struck by a missile a couple of hours before I got there. In fact, if it wasn't for the fact that I'd been tied up with um, border bureaucracy, I might have actually been there at the time. OK, the chances statistically that I would have been one of those killed is actually fairly small. But um, I was still quite glad that I wasn't there right at that moment. But I spent my first night in Ukraine, and this is back in March, in a basement bomb shelter crammed in with a few hundred other people, which was basically the whole village, plus any sort of soldiers, police or anyone else that happened to be in the area at the time because we were under threat of more missile attacks. Only to be woken up at 2.30 in the morning by people saying, move, 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 you've got to get to the other half of the basement because although the basement is secure, the building above us isn't. And if the building is hit in this half of the basement, we won't be able to get you out. So that, that was my first um, night in Ukraine, which was quite an experience, really. Now, since the start of the conflict, more than 3,000 Ukrainians have made Kent their temporary home. They've been matched with more than 1,400 sponsors across the county since last March. Almost 900 refugees from the country are still due to arrive here. Well, tonight, many of those who've settled in Medway will gather at Rochester Cathedral for a special service. I've been speaking to Canon Dr Gordon Giles. We had originally decided to have an organist um, whose name is Eva Belmas, and she is a Ukrainian organist and lives in Kent. And we booked her to come and do an organ recital. But we, we thought then we should extend this into a kind of cultural event and have some poetry and readings. And the Ukrainian um, uh, Medway Help for Ukrainians charity, uh, we've been in touch with them and they, they're very much on board. 
and that they're a great charity who, who sort of coordinate looking after Ukrainian refugees in, in the area. And so we, we've expanded the event and, and changed it a bit to, to be more of a cultural event. It, it's not that we are, there's kind of two levels really. We, we're celebrating Ukrainian culture, but obviously we're doing it on the day which marks the, the anniversary of that terrible invasion. And so there'll be kind of two, two sides to this really. It's not all doom and gloom. Because in a way, that's that doesn't help the Ukrainian community much. Obviously, they they want our sympathy. Of course, they do, and we're all horrified. But but you know, life life is what it is for people in this country, and the Ukrainian community is very strong and very large in Medway, and so we, we we're connected to them, and we want to welcome them and say, you know, here we all are. We stand united um, in your plight, which is terrible. But you know, let's have some Ukrainian music and let's let's celebrate being Ukrainian. So, for example, we'll be saying the Lord's Prayer all together in Ukrainian, which may be a challenge for some, but we'll have a go. You know what I mean? And that'll be that'll be rather good. So that's the event, and it's so it's going to contain organ music. It's going to contain some cello music. We have a um, an Ukrainian student who's going to play um, play a guitar and sing a song, and we have the the King's School Choir are going to sing, and we have a, a Bible reading, and we're going to be laying some penance of peace penance um, as in the kind of thing you have like a football pennant you know with the football team on it sort of triangular thing and each school in Medway um, that has had a um, pupils come from Ukraine um, is laying a pennant of sort of solidarity and sympathy and there will be this act of it's a bit like an act of remembrance but it's going to be a bit different and we're going to do that uh, as a kind of centerpiece to the service and we will say prayers and remember all those who are suffering in Ukraine, of course we will. And of course, Gordon, this is all happening in Rochester Cathedral under the wonderful art installation that's there at the moment, the Peace Doves. I mean, how significant do you think that will make the event as well? Well, we we, we booked Peace Doves and we, well, we knew the Peace Doves were going to be with us at this time long before um, the Russians invaded Ukraine. So this is a piece of serendipity, really, that... We are doing this event, which is to show solidarity and unity with, with our Ukrainian friends, but under a, a huge um, artistic installation of 15,000 paper dubs, all of which have a message of peace written on. And many of those messages of peace do relate to Ukraine because they were all written since about November until a few weeks ago, actually. And then they've all been strung up in kind of um, you know chains from the ceiling. Uh, and so the whole thing will take place underneath these expressions and prayers for hope and peace, which is what we all feel about Ukraine and, and the whole of Europe, of course, and the whole world. Um, peace is something we all need and all pray for and all want, you know, in the world, in our country, in our hearts at every level. So there's a real poignant serendipity to the fact that this will be under the peace dubs. The event starts at seven tonight. All tickets available have already been booked, but the cathedral spire, if you're outside, will glow yellow and blue until the end of the month. And finally, a southeastern train has been named Spirit of Ukraine today. The company wanted to pay tribute to Ukrainian people living in Kent and also efforts to restore railway networks that have been destroyed in the country. There was a performance by the Canterbury Ukraine 
Ukrainian choir during the event at London Cannon Street. Kent Online News. Some other top stories for you today and it's claimed only half the recommended number of medical staff were on duty the night two people, including a security guard from Kent, were killed in a crush in London. 23-year-old Gabby Hutchinson from Gravesend was working at the O2 Brixton Academy when ticketless fans attempted to force their way into a concert in December. The venue's medical provider is now being accused of inadequate cover. The company denies the allegations. A teenager's undergone major surgery following a fatal crash on the A20. Another woman died in the collision in Farningham last week and two men were arrested on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving. It's also emerged a puppy was rescued from the footwell of one of the vehicles. It's being cared for by a charity on Sheppey. A Margate boy has been left distraught after his pet cat was shot twice with air gun pellets. Oreo was targeted in an alleyway near Broccoli Road earlier this week. He's unable to walk at the moment and it's unclear whether surgery will save him. Police say they're looking into how the cat was hurt and whether any criminal offences have been committed. Protesters have gathered outside the headquarters of Medway Council to demand a pay rise. Bosses were inside the building in Chatham at the time discussing a potential wage increase. They're considering a rise of £1,000, but workers who are members of the Unison Union want double that. The demonstration was held yesterday evening during a meeting about the council's budget. Kent Online reports. A man who almost killed someone with a single punch in Broadstairs has been jailed for nearly two years. Paul Burroughs attacked a man drinking with his partner last August, leaving the victim with a fractured skull and brain haemorrhage after he hit his head on concrete. A 42-year-old from Alford Road has also been ordered to pay £5,000 in compensation. Murderers could face more time in prison if they fail to turn up in court for sentencing under new plans being considered by the government. Now, the Justice Secretary has met with the family of Zara Alina, whose killer chose not to attend his hearing in November. You may recall on the podcast we've told you that 29-year-old Jordan McSweeney, who used to live in Rochester, was jailed for life and will serve a minimum of 38 years. Now, the manager of a Sheppey care home has admitted she doesn't know how they'll cope with another energy price rise. Costs for Oakdean Rest Home are set to go up 150% from £2,000 a month to four and a half thousand. The facility is currently home to 27 residents who are looked after by 34 workers. Sharon Cordray has been there for six years and she's been speaking to our reporter John Nerden. My concerns have been around the financial concerns that we're having at the moment in regards to utility bills going up, the minimum wage going up. At the moment I feel that we're just breaking even which is fine but I'm very concerned about the staff actually being recognised for the work they do as well. They're not just carers, they're an important part in our community. I don't think they're recognised enough. I'm really passionate about carers all over the country. Most of them are on the minimum wage. We are really lucky this month, well no, in April, because they're going to be 8p more than the minimum wage. But I feel that it is not recognised and it's not enough money for carers that are so passionate about their job. Do you not think people understand what they do? No, 
I don't think they do at all. It's 24 hour care and especially with dementia, it's extremely hard work. We've had various people in over the years that have been extremely challenging, but we just go with the flow. At the end of the day, this is their home. It's not our home, it's our workplace. And we need to make sure that everybody is treated with respect and dignity. Where do you get your workers from? All over, all over. We. We've got people from different countries now. We've got local people that come in. At the end of the day, I'm not worried if they don't have any qualifications. It's their passion that they need to provide excellent care to very, very vulnerable people. We train them up to become excellent people that can work in a dementia home. Kent Online reports. A new £10 million primary school could be built in Canterbury. If given the go-ahead, it would have space for 420 pupils and help cope with demand from new houses being built at Cockering Farm. The county council is looking for an academy to sponsor the school. The Kent Wildlife Trust has spoken out against plans for the new Lower Thames Crossing, saying it'll destroy important habitats. The charity's worried the £9 billion road tunnel between the A2 at Gravesend and Tilbury over in Essex will threaten part of the Shorn and Ashenbank ancient woodland, which is home to rare species. National Highways say they're planting more than a million extra trees as part of the project. And an event's launching in Thanet this weekend to help new parents cope with the rising cost of living. The first Mummy to Mummy Fair is being held in Broadstairs on Sunday. The idea is to give parents the chance to buy clothes and other products for their little ones from each other at reduced prices. It's the brainchild of Karen Brinkman, who started the Thanet Virtual High Street during the pandemic. I do think the mindset has changed. I think people are far more welcoming of the idea of doing something that's better for the environment. So, you know, recycling, reusing, um, it's all repurposing. It's just in the media all the time. Free love was being talk talked about on Dragon's Den the other week, you know, so it's in the media. And I think that people do want to do their bit. And, you know, like this fast fashion, um, it's, it's, it's just that message that's getting out to people to say, you know, if you can, you know, make more of what you've got, then then do it. Give us all the, the timings and the venue and everything, Karen. Sunday, and it is between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock. And it's at Under One Roof, which is a play centre in Pisons Road, Broadstairs. Kent Online Showbiz. A former Kent schoolboy is among the favourites to win an Oscar next month. James Friend grew up in Maidstone and worked as cinematographer on Netflix war movie All Quiet on the Western Front. He's already won a BAFTA for it and is nominated for an Academy Award at the ceremony on March the 13th. Now, this is one of the most read stories on the website today. A former star of Real Housewives of Toronto has been confirmed as the new owner of a Kent castle. And Kaplan Mulholland has bought the 11th million-pound Lim Castle near Hythe. Last week, we told you how weddings at the venue had been cancelled following the sale. Well, reporter Leanne Castle joins me now. Firstly, Leanne, who exactly is Anne Kaplan-Mulholland? Can you tell us more? So first and foremost, she is a very successful businesswoman. She's the founder of her own company and she's worked in finance for more than 25 years. Um, this is a job which she's received several awards for nationally and internationally. But the other side of her is that she's also a public figure. Some people might know her as the former star of The Real Housewives of Toronto. Um, that's the city that she lives in with her husband, Stephen. She's also a TV host, an author and a public speaker. So she has lots of different talents, which she says 
she's hoping to bring with her to her new role at Lim Castle. And what exactly does her purchase of the castle mean for weddings there then? Well, actually, it's brilliant news for weddings because it means that they are back on. All couples who were told that their weddings were previously cancelled can still have their big day at the venue on their chosen date. Dr Kaplan said that weddings were never supposed to be cancelled and that she was always happy to honour the bookings. It also means those who did already have a date booked will receive a 20% discount as sort of a, a gesture to say sorry for all of the confusion and as a way to heal the wounds. Um, they will also receive a gift hamper on their big day and it's understood that weddings will recommence immediately. Leanne, thank you ever so much. You can head to the website to see pictures of the castle and its new owner. Two more Kent restaurants have been added to the Michelin Guide. The Rose Inn near Canterbury and Quince in Westgate are the latest to earn a spot on the prestigious list. It brings the total across Kent now to 30. And with a roundup of everything else going on in Kent this weekend, here's our features writer, Sam Laurie. This weekend, we've got some great shows coming up. So if you're in the mood for a night at the theatre, then listen up. On Saturday and Sunday, there will be a double bill of comedy at the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury as not one, but two top comedians perform their latest stand-up shows. First up is Best Newcomer nominee Maisie Adam, who'll be bringing her buzz tour to the venue studio on Saturday. Downstairs in the main auditorium on Sunday night is stand-up comic and TV presenter Russell Kane, who's performing his sell-out show The Essex Variant to fans. Both shows are almost sold out, but there are still a handful of tickets left for each, but you'll have to be quick to grab them. (laughs) Meanwhile, there are also some great shows that are running until Saturday, so you've still got a chance to catch them before the curtain closes. Fisherman's Friends, the musical, based on the true story of a Cornish singing group who ended up on the pyramid stage at Glastonbury, is at the Marlowe Theatre, which seems like the place to be this weekend. Also, new comedy Jumping the Shark is at the Orchard Theatre in Dartford until Saturday. The show is based on Britain's love of sitcoms and is set to have audiences in stitches. So if you fancy a laugh, then this could be right up your street. And if you're looking for something to do with the kids this weekend, we've got some great dino-themed ideas for you. This year marks 30 years since the release of Jurassic Park and to celebrate, we've got your guide to Kent's best dino days out. From prehistoric puppets to adventure golf, there are some great family ideas, so make sure you check out our guide on Kent Online. And that's just about it for this week, but make sure you keep checking the What's On website to find out what's happening near you in the coming days, weeks and months. Kent Online Sports. Football and the Gillingham manager has paid tribute to midfielder Ollie Lee after he announced this week he's retiring. The 31-year-old played for the club more than 100 times but has been struggling with a form of arthritis. Boss Neil Harris says it's not been an easy decision for him. Ollie's been missing on medical grounds for us over the last probably four months and we had a little spell where Ollie was back with us on the bench a couple of times and um, first and foremost I want to pay homage to Ollie Lee and his career, uh, his professionalism, his, his, his ability, uh, his beautiful family. Um, he's a wonderful guy and, he, and we, we knew he was struggling pre-season, but he was on fire pre-season. <laughs> he just kept rolling with it and, and then he, he just, the condition just got worse quickly um, and it just became apparent to Ollie and, and to us as well that he was, he, he was struggling to affect training every day in the games as well. So um, Ollie had to find in his own time, in his own way, um, that, that professional football um, might not be for him now. Um, and it took a while to get, get to the decision, but it, it's the right thing for Ollie and his family. Um, and Ollie's a, a football man, 
he sees the game really, really well. Um, he's doing his coaching badges already, he started a few years ago, so he's well ahead of the curve on that, and he's going to be a really good coach. Um, I look forward to following his, um, his, his future pathway. Well, Gillingham welcome AFC Wimbledon to Priestfield in League Two this weekend. The Jills are currently four points clear of the League Two drop zone after a real turnaround in form since the start of the year. A victory would extend their winning run to three in a row, and they've picked up 16 points from their last seven games. Kickoff tomorrow is at three. You'll be able to follow the match action at Kent Online. We'll also have reaction to the result in bulletins over on our sister radio station, Kent. AMFM on Sunday morning, plus plenty more reaction in the podcast on Monday. And in cricket, England have recovered from a bit of a terrible start in their second test match against New Zealand. Kent Zach Crawley only managed two runs before being caught out in Wellington overnight. England finished the day, though, on 315 for three, following centuries from Harry Brook and Joe Root. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing and to sign up to that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk whilst you're on the site today you can also check out the latest review from our secret drinker hope you have a fantastic weekend we'll be back with the podcast on monday news you can trust this is the kent online podcast